Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Are the doors open in the uh, the front entrance? Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of people up there. So, um, how many people uh, did um, celebrate or um, uh, honor Yom Kippur this this week? I'm curious. A handful, two, three, four. Okay. Uh, it was uh, from Sunday evening to uh, to Monday evening, and I. Um, I gave the talk at Spirit Rock on Monday night, uh, so um, this was this was the the talk, and it's been with me the the whole week. It seems like such a a good opportunity to um, to start fresh that I wanted to give us all a chance to clear our slates as well. Yom. Kippur, Yom means day in Hebrew. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, it's usually translated as. And if you are uh, not Jewish or raised in the Jewish tradition, um, you might not know that it's, it's the holiest day of the year. I remember when I was young, you know, it was like, Everything was kind of leading up to Yom Kippur, the, the big, the heavy. It, was, it seemed like a heavy day. You fast during Yom Kippur. And uh, it's, it was a day that was kind of like everything is leading up to, and then you start fresh. Because on that day, you um, atone for the sins that you might have done. Now, the word sin is a pretty intense word, probably, for many of us. But perhaps you might not know. The word sin literally means when you miss the mark, when you are off a bit. And there's a price that we pay when we miss the mark. Even if nobody else knows, we know. Isn't it interesting how that's how we're, we're wired up? So this is a, a time that we can somehow start fresh, as I say. It's, it's the 10th day after the, um, the beginning of the new year, which is Rosh Hashanah. I'm sure probably everyone has heard the Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, the head, Rosh Hashanah, the head day of the year. And there's 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. In the, um, in the Jewish religion, uh, on Rosh Hashanah, God uh, is said to inscribe your fate for the coming year in the book. In this book. Now, when I, w- I was this the other night, and I've said it here before. When I was growing up, the image of a God, I remember, of God, I had this kid's Bible, I remember, a big picture book Bible, and there was this 
big picture of God with a very big beard and very strong, very masculine, with a book and a pen. Well, I don't know if God uses a pen or a pencil or if it's a retractable or whatever. Probably not retractable. Um, But that was my image of God, and um, it, was a, it was a little scary, actually. But whatever metaphor works for you, the word God, there's something quite beautiful about this holiday, because here's the deal. He inscribes your name and your fate in the book, and there are these 10 days called the the days of awe for us to reflect and see what we've done this past year, how we can learn, what we can do better this coming year. And on Yom Kippur, as you fast and purify, cleanse yourself, you... um, Ask forgiveness for your sins. And in the, in the, um, you go to temple in the high holidays, and there's actually a part in the service where you, uh, you uh, beat your breast for each sin, for the sin, for this sin, I ask forgiveness, for this sin. And it's a very powerful ritual, everybody doing this together. As you come clean, so to speak, then at the end of Yom Kippur, God seals the verdict for the coming year. So if you do see what you might have learned, see what what this year has been about, see where you want to go, where you're heading, um, then uh, you probably have a better chance of the, the verdict being one, a favorable verdict. And so there was always something um, refreshing of, of new possibilities with this holiday for me. And I wanted to um, have us explore this, particularly you know, on a personal level, looking at our year and uh, asking and extending forgiveness so we can start in the slate. I don't know if, you know, if it's too late. I don't think it's ever too late. <laughs> Especially for people who didn't know that it was the days of all. We can have our own Yom Kippur right, right now. There's something so healing about forgiveness. And it's in most every religion, you know, obviously uh, in, in, uh, in Christianity and in uh, Catholicism where you go to confession. Uh, there's something very um, healing about that. And this is the Jewish version of that. And one day, you, it's not like you go every, every week, but one time during the year. In Buddhism, Buddha was very big on forgiveness. There is... Forgiveness. There were, there's a number of stories. One story I, I've, I've shared here, it's been quite a while. There was this um, quarrel, the quarrel at Kosambi, where these two factions of the Buddha's uh, devo- disciples uh, argued with each other. One was, uh, and it all started, one was the head of the uh, the Vinaya, the, the disciplines, the expert on the rules and the disciplines, and another one was the expert on, uh, on wisdom and the, the doctrine and the discourses. And it seems that the, the latter made some mistake. It actually, if you want to know the, the, where it all started was, uh, he made some error as far as where he peed in the latrine. That was where that was. That's what started the head of the the uh, the the discipline saying you made an offense, and the other guy said 
I didn't know it was an, it was an offense, and so I, my intention wasn't to make an offense, so uh, I didn't make an offense. He said, you made an offense, you've got to apologize, and he came on really strong. And the other guy said, no, I'm not apologizing, I didn't know. Well, each side had their students who were rooting for their teacher, and it caused this incredible schism in the Sangha. They went to uh, um, the Buddha, or some went to the Buddha, and said, hey, um, this is going on. And the Buddha said um, he tried to intervene. And he was told, We've, we're going to sort this out by ourselves. Just leave, leave us alone, actually. He, he went, he went, told the Buddha that. Three times he said, okay, I'm out of here. Actually, that's, that's how the story goes. And he, he just, he couldn't, he just said, I don't need this, basically. <laughs> you know, he was a wise man, right? I don't need it. I'm going off to my, by myself. And he went out, as the story goes on, he went into the, to the jungle and he was enjoying his meditation quite nicely. He was there with this big tusker elephant who was also independent. And he said, I'm like a tusker, I don't need the community or all the hassles. And then he, uh, after a while, met these three monks who lived in inc uh, beautiful harmony. And he said, why, how come you have such good harmony? And they all talked about how they care about each other. When this one needs something, I love to give it to him. And they all had that. And he said, oh, like milk and, and water, you blend so beautifully. Then he went back to the, the hassle area. And uh, he didn't, he didn't want to be bothered. But then there was such a schism in the Sangha that um, at some point, the people weren't feeding the monks. That's when it gets very, when the rubber hits the road. And they said, we've got to fix this. And so both factions came. And the Buddha, uh, Ananda, said, what should we do? They're both coming back. Uh, and they and they want to uh, they want to sort this out, uh, and all the disciples are coming about how should we handle this? And he said, put them in separate quarters, don't let them go near each other, and let's just wait. And sooner or, uh, after a while, one of the heads of the uh, of the two factions said, you know, I really didn't act so skillfully in my speech and my bringing this on. And um, I, in my own way, I did not, I was not unskillful, I was not skillful, and I, I ask your forgiveness. And the other one said exactly the same. And the Buddha said, as long as somebody sees the error of their ways, short of a few major transgressions, there's four that you just don't cross. But other than that, as long as one sees the error of their ways, they are welcomed back. They should be welcomed back and forgiven. And in fact, as a monastic, um, monks and nuns, every two weeks, they get together and have what is called paravana, where they say publicly whatever unskillful acts or words or, or thoughts they might have had and uh, clean their slate. So they have a Yom Kippur every couple of weeks in their own way. So forgiveness. The antidote to the complaining mind, to the contracted mind, to the stressed out mind that's either saying they're the problem or life is unfair, or I'm the problem, and I can't open up to myself. When we have that contraction, when we are blaming either ourselves, another, or life, there's no way for wisdom to shine through, and no way for the heart to open to its true nature. So 
As you might know if you've done loving kindness practice, it often starts out with some forgiveness so that we can soften that clenched heart and allow for there to be some warmth and that goodwill to come through. In the meditation practice, we have ample opportunity for forgiveness. There you are, sitting, minding your own business, and you see your mind just everywhere. How do you relate to your mind? Do you get frustrated by it? God, come on. If you do, all you're doing is creating more tension or tightness and restlessness and agitation. That's not what your mind needs. Your mind has a mind of its own. It just does what it does. And if you had any control, you'd probably have clarity, kindness, goodwill towards all humanity, and some other thoughts seem to slip in there from time to time. So the idea in practice is to see the impersonality of those thoughts that come through. How are we relating to our mind or our bodies that don't cooperate? our shoulders, or our back, or our knee, or you might have some internal organ that is starting to break down, or skin that, um, that is going through its own purification. How do we relate to our bodies that are serving us as best they can, that have miraculously healed cuts, when they occur, or scrapes, that amazingly nonstop fight off all the invaders from around us, continually a battleground going on that we have no idea until we start to get a cold or have some symptom, but we don't realize it when we're in the peak of health how amazingly fortunate we are. And then when something goes wrong or we twist an ankle or have something break down, this isn't fair. Why is my body not cooperating? And we can so easily get angry at it. That's not what healing is about. Your body needs your love, needs your appreciation. That's the healing environment for it to um, fix itself. So our body, our mind, our thoughts, our personality. You know, I said this the other day when we were e ending a retreat of the Labor Day. When I, when I first uh, did a long retreat, at the end of the retreat, and I got really quiet in the silence. And then as soon as we broke silence, you know, there was judgment, paranoia, all the pettiness, and I went running to my teacher Joseph saying, it didn't work. You know, I still have my personality there. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to, if you're looking for a personality transplant, uh, <laughs> I send you much compassion. It's not going to happen. But, if you get angry at your personality, this just compounds it. If you can celebrate who you are, that perfect expression of life as it comes through you, how beautiful, how wonderful. As it says in the Third Zen Patriarch, we went through the Third Zen Patriarch earlier uh, this year, one of my favorite lines, to live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. That's the highest realization, not to be perfect, but to be without anxiety about non-perfection, to just be yourself. And you know, when you're around somebody who's just themselves, that's the, uh, in the introduction to Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, I, I love that introduction where uh, the, I, I forget her name, this woman, Trudy, one of Suzuki Roshi's earlier uh, 
students, he sa she says, you know, the, the Roshi has so many more, so many of these amazing qualities, deep wisdom, uncanny perspicacity, a fantastic discipline. She says, but in the end, all of those qualities, what's the most extraordinary is his utter ordinariness. Just being himself, he becomes a mirror for us. That's the gift that we can give everybody else, to just be ourselves and not try to be a bit more than ourselves. You know what happens? You ever see somebody who's trying to be a little bit more than themselves so that they can maybe impress other people or feel okay? It's not very impressive, is it? But when somebody is just, okay, what you see is what you get. This is me. And they can be comfortable in their own skin with that. What an amazing gift. Because then you can be comfortable in your own skin around them. So this is really allowing for the whole package. Not only allowing, embracing the whole package. We can get so merciless that we forget all the goodness in the package. I've read this before, but I'll, if I can find it, I love it. I'm going to read it again from Jack's book, The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness, and Peace. In the Babemba tribe of South Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, he's placed in the center of the village alone and unfettered. All work ceases, and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in his lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All his positive attributes, good deeds, strengths, and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts for several days. At the end, the tribal circle is broken, a joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. That's what we need to remember when we get caught in the complaining mind. It said, to forget, to err is human, to forgive divine. It's like we, we approach the realm of the gods when we can open our hearts with forgiveness. How to do that? How can we forgive when somebody has hurt us? How can we forgive ourselves when we have blown it once again? Well, a few things I want to mention about forgiveness, and then we can do some practice here. First, forgiveness Truly understanding forgiveness is understanding how we change, how we can change, how instead of holding yourself in a particular moment in time saying, what a rotten person I am because I did such and such. What a jerk because, filling in the blank, I can't believe I did that and then you beat yourself up for the next 12 months. To see that sometimes we do some unskillful things, sometimes we do some skillful things. And when you forgive, you are seeing that bigger picture, as I sometimes say, just imagine somebody taking a picture of you in one of your worst moments as you're really losing it with your kid or your partner or somebody at work. Ah! And somebody takes a snapshot. Ooh, very unpleasant person. And they put it in their pocket. 
Six months later, yeah, still an unpleasant person. Three, three years later, oof, yeah. That lack of forgiveness, and you're just stuck in one moment of time, whether it's with somebody else or with yourself, to really see that we can change. And when we're not so caught in our own story, we see how we get confused, how we just don't see clearly. That's the source of our unskillful actions. If you could do it a skillful way, you probably would. Because if you know that doing something unskillfully will lead to remorse, regret, and many mind moments of pain, why would you do it? Why would you do it? But we forget. It's so interesting how it's wi we're wired up to just remember how it's going to feel on the front end. Yeah, they do deserve that. <clears throat> or, yeah, I want that. Yeah, it's going to feel so good. And we have very little foresight to see how it will feel afterwards when we say, what was I thinking? So amazing. And I think it's one of the real gifts of Dharma practice to leap forward in time and look back and ask, how is this going to feel? How is this going to feel afterwards? That's one of the, the guiding principles when I can remember I'm at a, a moment of choice. How is this going to feel afterwards? A week from now, six months from now, is it worth the ripples in the mind? So even knowing that, we can get caught again and again because we're creatures of conditioning and we just don't see clearly. And the more you see it within yourself, the more you see how others get confused. People act unskillfully out of confusion. As Alexander Solzhenitsyn says, if only it were so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? So in order to really come to some capacity to forgive others, we really have to forgive ourselves as well for our own confusion. Mm. The Buddha has a, a very wonderful reflection in uh, that a discourse that uh, we've talked about from time to time. He says, maybe you're about to do something that's unskillful or that you're not sure about. Just think, how is this going to feel at later on? If it leads to suffering, don't do it. But you might not remember until you're in the middle of the action and then ask, where is this leading to? And if you see it leads to suffering, don't do it. If it's leading to happiness, go right ahead. But he says then you might not remember until after the words are spoken, the send button is clicked. No, he doesn't say that in the Pali Canon. Uh, or the, the words and, and the actions are done. He says, don't beat yourself up. Wise reflection. See, what can I learn from this? What kind of amends do I need to make? And just start right then. Then there's nothing wasted. This is uh, Reverend Welton Gaddy. Forgiveness is not about wiping away consequences, but about creating new possibilities. We're not forgiving necessarily the action, but the confusion behind the act. And Desmond Tutu, as far as learning to forgive others, he says, forgiveness is the highest form of self-interest. I need to forgive you so that my anger and resentment and lust for revenge 
don't corrode my own being. To forgive is divine. Mm. Some benefits of forgiveness. This is from uh, a book, Forgive for Good. If you really want to get into this in more depth, Fred Luskin's classic, Forgive for Good. People who are more forgiving report fewer, fewer health problems, less stress. Maybe forgiveness may be more important than hostility as a, sorry, failure to forgive may be more important than hostility as a risk factor for heart disease. People who blame others for their troubles have higher incidence of illness, such as cardiovascular disease and cancers. And people who imagine forgiving their offenders note immediate improvement in their cardiovascular, muscular, and nervous systems. Because when we're contracted, we're the ones that are suffering. It's weighing on us. So we're forgiving ultimately not only for those others, if we're talking about forgiving others, but for our own well-being, because it's too painful to hold on. And of course, within that, you have to really respect your process. If you've been deeply hurt or traumatized, you can't just switch on the, the forgiveness button and say, it's all OK. You need to go through your grieving, your hurt, your anger, but sooner or later, if you see that this contraction is hurting you, you might just be open to inclining the mind towards forgiveness. Just like God is asked each Yom Kippur to do that, no matter what you've done. And if you're not ready to forgive somebody else, then Forgiving yourself for being just where you're at because it needs some kind of softening and opening of that clenched heart. What is it when we ask God to forgive? What are we asking? We're coming from the most humble place, the most vulnerable place, and saying, I really blew it. Please forgive me, asking life to forgive you. And really, we're contacting that place that's right inside of us that can do it, that compassionate place that would forgive a little child when she or he acted in ways that were not so helpful, because they just didn't know better. We're just little kids in big bodies. When we get confused, that's what's going on. So I'd like to... Um, go through a few forgiveness uh, exercises with you. First, um, asking forgiveness. And this is a, we'll do it in a fairly traditional way. First, asking forgiveness for others that we might have caused harm to. So I'd like you to just Close your eyes and uh, bring to mind someone perhaps that you've caused harm or acted unskillfully in some way. And imagine that person is right here with you. And allow any feelings of remorse that might be here to arise. Reflect on any confusion or ignorance that might have caused you to act the way you did. Not excusing yourself, but to Awaken the compassionate understanding. And you might silently say to that person, I'm, I'm really sorry for any harm I might have caused you, any pain, and I ask your forgiveness.
imagine that person hearing your sincerity and taking in your words and forgiving you. And notice how that feels in your body and mind. one more, maybe somebody else that you might have acted unskillfully with or in your own frustration or expectations or disappointments, had a lot of anger or doubt and your heart closed to them. And imagine them here with you. And just, uh, you might have done something or said something that was not so helpful. And just reflect on the space you're in, the confusion that might have caused you to act that way. And you might, again, silently say, I'm truly sorry any harm I might have caused you, and I ask your forgiveness. And imagine that person hearing your sincerity and really taking in your words and forgiving you completely. Notice how that, that feels inside. Now, um, offering forgiveness. Maybe somebody has acted in a way that's really been difficult for you. Just bring them to mind. Somebody who your heart is still a little bit closed. You might not take the most challenging one if it seems out of reach right now. Just imagine that person in front of you. And reflect on the confusion or the ignorance that might have caused him or her to harm you. Again, not to overlook the actions, but to open your heart to compassion. And offer forgiveness silently saying, any harm that you might have caused me, knowingly or unknowingly, I forgive you. I forgive your confusion. And imagine that person taking in your words and feeling your forgiveness. And notice how that feels. And then offering forgiveness to yourself. Maybe you're not ready to forgive somebody else. Or maybe there's something that needs forgiveness within you. Your 
impatience, your judgments, your sadness or loneliness or closed heart at times. Remember, none of them are who you really are. They're just parts of being human. And uh, see if you can forgive yourself for being human. Like you would a little child caught in their own confusion. I forgive that part of myself. If you like, if it's, if you want to get access to compassion, you might put your hand on your heart and just gently feel the kindness coming right through your hand. It says, it's okay, dear. You're trying to do the best you can. Just let yourself feel the wisdom and the kindness that comes right through. And then open up to life, to the Dharma, whether you think of it as God or life or nature, and ask forgiveness from the unnameable. From something much bigger than yourself. As you perhaps get in touch with your commitment to start this next year right from the clean slate that you're creating. May my sincere intention carry me to greater understanding, wiser actions, and deeper love. Feel the wholesomeness of your sincere intention. Life responds to that. So so we have uh, a few minutes if anybody has a comment or a question or anything that might have come up from that. So if you have somebody in your life that is kind of one of those permanent people. And one of what? One of those permanent people. One of those permanent people. Yes. Permanent in, in which sense? Family. Oh, that you're, that you're holding in a permanent way? Well, a family member. Family member. Um, who is continually causing harm. And you want to be able to forgive. Is it do you trying to figure out how to do that on a for myself. Um, is that just a continuous process of 
forgiving again and again and again. What does it seem like to you? Uh, like that. They can be your teacher in patience and understanding. Just the, if somebody, this is how I look at it, maybe you've heard me say this before, if somebody is pretty much continually causing harm, just imagine being inside their head. What, what a painful reality that must be. Because that's what's probably coming back to them most of the time. We're only dealing with them when we have to interact with them. So that perhaps, sometimes it can elicit some compassion. But it also means to know your limits of and healthy boundaries of what you can handle. And you might send them compassion from a distance. You know, or know the, the dose of time before you start to lose it. Um, that, that's, that's wisdom, too. As the Dalai Lama says, you know, if, if you've done everything you can and there's a lot of negativity coming towards you, that's the time to find the nearest exit. You, know, you don't have to stay in that place. And also, really, to respect yourself. But to do what you do or have the healthy boundary, ideally from a place of not, not fueling it with more uh, uh, antagonism, but just seeing how, how painful this, this person's reality is again and again and again. Sometimes I, I imagine them as children, little children who just don't understand and are caught in their own pain and confusion. Good luck. One, one last thing. Um, what comes to mind for me is purification. Mm -hmm. And I'm not perfect, and there will be other things that will come up. And I think mine is more of the self-battering type. <laughs> so for me, it's almost asking for some humility in the fact that when this comes up again, when I'm faced with this, that I have, I think, I think prayer, prayer and meditation, sitting on this cushion and self-examination are all um, part of it, but it's, I am human. And sometimes it's a setup for me to go, I'm pure, I'm purified, and then one thing comes along and I'm like, well, I'm screwed, I might as well just throw it out the window. Right. So it's, um, but to remember that even facing a situation a little differently, if I can just get even some little insight into it, that that's a purifying. Mm -hmm. I, I know I've heard your talk on purification. And, yeah. and, um, it's, it's, it's facing in the right direction. It's just knowing you're facing in the right direction and being right where you are. As long as you have a commitment to keep on learning, you know, if you think of practice as I'm in this, game to wake up. So whatever happens, I'm going to try to learn from this one, even if you've done it again and again and again. You can't just say, oh, well, I'll learn after I do it again. You know, that, that, that's not so cool. But if you just, in your ignorance, saying, okay, I'll learn each time I'll learn and I'm facing in that direction, uh, that's, that's all you can do. Okay, so we, we, should, uh, we should close with this. Loving kindness, now that you've cleaned your slate, I mean, just, you might have that image in your mind. Okay, look back on the year, and you might actually, this evening, if there's a few other people that are uh, still to be unresolved, uh, need to be reconciled, you know, do a, do a little process with them or any acts that are still weighing on you, and forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole, as Dana Falls says. Now is the only time to see who you are in the light of your true self. 
Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. Just feel your own sincerity and breathe in the forgiveness and the benevolence from life around you. Let it fill you. Let it radiate out from you. Extending it out. May I see clearly so my words and my actions come from kindness and wisdom. May I share my love well. May I grow in my ability to forgive myself, others, and life. And may I see my true nature, pure, clear, loving, not separate. And then send these thoughts to everyone here and all beings in all directions. May all beings see clearly. May they act with wisdom and kindness. May they share their love well and learn to forgive themselves and others. May they wake up to their true nature and may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, and all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. Fresh start. Great week. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.